Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and the Eagles are off to the NFC title game as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 128. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to help me break down what was an outstanding football game between the Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons on both sides of the ball. Then we will get into the opponent this week, the number two seed Minnesota Vikings. Greg and I both watched the film on their thrilling victory over the New Orleans Orleans Saints, and we'll give you an idea of how the Eagles will match up against them this Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. We'll follow that up with a scouting report where this week we will break down a player who I think will stand out next week at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Hopefully I'm not there, but either way, we will break him down. But before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. Greg Cosell and I break down the win over Atlanta and dive into this week's Eagles-Vikings matchup on both sides of the ball. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining me once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, thanks for joining me once again here. It's a a really exciting time, obviously, right here in Philadelphia. A lot to talk about, not only with the upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings, but what we saw on Saturday night against the Atlanta Falcons. After going back through the film, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Any general thoughts and you know, in terms of takeaways coming out of that game? Two takeaways. Yeah. Loved what they did with the passing game because they actually threw the ball a lot, particularly after the first quarter, but it was the kinds of throws. They were the kinds of throws that were a lot of quick game, a lot of one read, helped Nick Foles really get comfortable throughout the game. And I thought that was really good coaching by Doug Peterson and staff. Do you know the uh, you're you're familiar with the movie Christmas Story, I assume. Uh, more really. or less, more, more or, less. or less. All right. So there's the scene where Ralphie's daydreaming. Well, about, I'm not going to be familiar uh, well, with okay. this. Okay. There's this, right. there's the scene where Ralphie's daydreaming in class, and you know he hands in his uh, his paper, and the teacher gives him an A plus 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 plus. That's the grade you got to give Doug Peterson. I oh, think, for, for this sure. Game plan. I, I for was sure. just so well done in so many ways. Run game, pass game. Knowing the temp, the tempo, when to turn it up, when to slow it down, all the different variations in the run game we saw uh, from from start to finish. I, I started writing really good. down all the run plays, and yeah. there were about eleven of them. I think I got to uh, just the, the different kinds of runs. But the second you asked me it takeaways, that was my first takeaway yeah. involving the pass game because they ended up throwing the ball quite a bit, but it was the way they threw it, as I said. And again, let's be realistic. Nick Foles is, is a professional quarterback, but he does have some limitations, and I thought the pass game really did a tremendous job of not exposing the limitations, which is always a concern. Yeah. The second takeaway, even though the three backs only had 25 rushes for 79 yards, I thought it was a classic case of a game where the numbers didn't tell the story because I thought – it was palpable at various points in the game that the Eagles' run game was controlling the pace and tempo. And even though the numbers, the 79 yards and 25 carries, don't reflect that, as I said, I think that's where it, it, 
it didn't matter because they did control the game at times running the football. And I thought Nick Foles was excellent in the run pass option game. Yes, uh, you know, in terms of when, knowing when to throw it and knowing when to hand it off when the Eagles had numbers. Right. Uh, you saw a couple of plays early on where he hands the football off, and you know the, the defender that he's reading it typically was Devondre Campbell. He couldn't get over to the running back right. until he was six, seven yards downfield. Right, and right. He had great double teams at the point of attack. The body count for the offensive line I thought was really high in terms of defenders on the ground. No, Not I just th- run yeah. game, but screen game as well. Oh, and they have a great – that's probably another takeaway is they have a really good screen game. Yeah. And again, now we're talking about the kinds of throws – that you want to give Nick Foles. It's the screen game. It's the RPOs where it's essentially a one-read throw, yep. and it's quick game, so pressure doesn't get there. Yep. So I thought it was a brilliant game plan. Uh, again, if Ajayi doesn't fumble, uh, maybe they score another touchdown, but it was the Eagles won the, the kind of game, to me, the only way they could win. They weren't going to put up 30. Yeah, it was a slugfest for sure. Yeah. And I think when you look at Nick Foles and the way he started out, you know, you had the, really the biggest gains came – uh, via yellow penalty flags right, on the right. ground. You had the pass interference on the opening play. I love being aggressive on the opening play of the right. game. Uh, you saw, you, but he was able to get into that rhythm because you saw some of those throws, the quick game throws, the RPOs, uh, things to kind of get him into a rhythm. And then you saw him start to complete some of those passes. You know, There was the, the one pass to Zach Ertz I thought was impressive. There was a, an out route uh, on the outside to, to Alshon Jeffrey that I thought was very good. So well, that third down throw on that rhythm. field goal drive in the, in the third quarter yeah. when he was 5 for 7 for 70 yards, that third down throw to Jeffrey, uh, which we broke down on the All-22, yep. Uh, was was really a, a good play by Nick because he had to step up and climb the pocket. There he did a really nice job. That was one of his better throws because that was a third and long throw. No question. And that had to be made. Yeah, no question. And then you look at uh, up front, the offensive line, I thought did a good job of just keeping him upright and keeping yeah. him clean all day. That does go in turn with the way the, 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 the quicker were game, called, of course. But I thought that they did a good job yeah. against a, a really relentless defensive yep. front. Yeah, no, that all – uh, goes together. You're 100% right. Uh, but it all played out because, look, as we discussed, the one thing you don't want with Nick is you don't want him to have to be in the pocket long. The longer he's in the pocket, the less effective he is. Yeah. So it all does go together. Yeah. And the, in terms of the running backs, you talked about how the run game looked strong. You know, the numbers didn't necessarily tell the story. Did anybody impress you more than the other? It was mostly LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi. Did anybody, yeah. did anything impress you one way or the other there? Um, it's funny. I thought it would be a blunt game, and I talked about that publicly and it obviously they felt Ajayi was the better option uh I guess uh, Blunt did have nine carries but Ajayi ended up with 15 he was clearly the back I mean he's a tough relentless physical inside runner Ajayi I mean he's not explosive yep. in a strict sense but um he's runs relentlessly and uh I think you know it was effective in this game they, yeah. they ran at a a fast and fast flow defense and they ran at them quite a bit and we'll get into this in a bit, but you, it was really good to see the screen game kind of come alive oh, yeah. as well because uh, you're going to need it this week against the Minnesota Vikings again. But two, to play to your earlier point, it kind of goes with how the Eagles are going to need to play You know, with right. the Nick Foles. I think, I think the, having the screen game there as one of the focal points of your offense in your passing game I think is very, very important. Yeah, it brought me back a bit to that drive against Oakland. Uh, when right. they had, what, eight or nine runs, and then yep. they ended with a screen to Ajayi for the touchdown. Sure. You know, the same kind of thing. You know, I, the screen gave that 32-yarder to Ajayi in the fourth quarter um, to set up the final field goal. Really well-designed play. And we, we also did that on the All-22 with Wisniewski getting, uh, I think, two or three guys that he blocked. Sure. No, but they're a good screen team. How about Nelson Aguilar's run in the, uh, on that oh, touchdown drive? Which, uh, which was, again, a schemed yep. play. 
and it worked perfectly. I mean, again, you're dealing it with all these kinds of things. What you're, you're dealing with misdirection and deception. There's a misdirection deception element to that play. They came back to it later, and they didn't get the block on on Terry Poe. But yeah, but it was a really well schemed play. Let's go over to the defensive side because I think that there were some really interesting takeaways in this game. The first thing that stood out to me was Fletcher Cox was ah, outstanding start yeah, to finish, yeah. without question. He was tremendous. And I was really taking note, as I know you do, yeah. as to which way the line slide would go. Right, yep. And for most of the first half, they slid two Cox. Yep. And then there were other throws, but some of them were quick game throws where it didn't matter, but there were other throws sure. where they slid two Graham. But it did, you know, it was it was quick game, so he wasn't going to get there anyway. But yep. yeah, they clearly the Falcons that is clearly felt that Cox was the number one guy they had to block when it was third down. To me, it was just important for your best player on defense to come out and have probably his best game of the year. He played really well, you know, because the, in the I, run game, and he was really game, good in the run game, dominant in the run game, yeah. and then pass rush. I mean, he got he had the one sack, uh, had a couple of other hits on the quarterback, so really disruptive there as well. And I thought Ike Reese brought up a great point a couple of weeks ago, and I've mentioned this in a couple of different avenues, but uh, the fact that you know you look back at some of the best players in Eagles history, you know Brian Dawkins and Jeremiah Trotter and Hugh Douglas and others. They all had signature moments, signature games in the playoffs. So it was good to see Fletcher kind of come out and have a really disruptive game. Not always seen from a defensive tackle. You don't always see how no, down he is when sacks. you're watching yeah, live. Yeah, but yeah. He, to me, he was, he was one of the big difference makers in this game. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Because yeah. they – look, the Falcons bounced a couple of runs outside with Coleman, a couple of design outside runs, but they couldn't get the, 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 zone, the inside zone type run game going yep. at all. And and that was in large part due to Fletcher Cox. Yeah, no question. Brandon Graham, I thought, was strong. Vinnie yeah. Curry, I thought, had a really good game as well uh, against the run. So it was good to see that defensive line really come to play. They're going to need to do that again on Sunday night against Minnesota. Uh, linebacker level, Nigel Bradham, had the, he had the sack. He had a couple big tackles, was a big part of that final play, uh, the fourth down incompletion to Julio Jones. When you go to that play, let's just go real quick, fast forward just to that play, that fourth down and completion to Julio Jones. Take us through, when, now that you've seen it from the All-22, overall thoughts on that final play? I mean, the, the, the Falcons come out in 21 personnel. Yeah. They had a fullback on the backside. What, what is, uh, take us through what you thought the thought process was from a Falcon standpoint, but then also the execution on the Eagles side. To me, I think the thought process from the Falcons side was our guy's better than your guy. Yeah, There was a one-receiver r- route. It was Julio Jones against Jalen Mills, and, and a lot of to-do has been made that the Eagles knew the play. I think the Falcons would have told the Eagles the play. I don't think that mattered for one second. Yep. That play was designed to go to Julio Jones. In their mind, their guy was better than, than Jalen Mills, and they were going to throw it to Julio Jones. And obviously Jones fell down. Who knows what would have happened if he didn't fall down, but he slept and he fell down, yep. and that ended the play. So it doesn't matter that anybody knew the play. That was pure matchup football. It was uh, it was it was good to see the defense kind of yeah. come through it because it was it was a bit of a scary drive there. Oh my god! End, but you saw yeah. some guys make some plays. I mean, Ronald yeah. Darby was was matched up one on one with Julio a couple yeah. times in the final four. No, they they, as they well. took that approach. Yeah, the, the Falcons of we're throwing it to Julio yeah. because he's better than you are. Yep. And the Eagles came through. Were you surprised at all that that once again the Eagles didn't seem to do anything in terms of specialty coverages to kind of take care of Julio Jones? I mean, it seemed like most of the night if it was man coverage, it was one on one. That's not really been in Jim Schwartz's DNA this not year. Not really, no. I mean, that's not been, you know, again, 
if that's something they had done all year, then I would have been surprised. Yeah. But they don't really do that. They did it a little bit last year in spots with guys like Antonio Brown right. and, and right. Odell Beckham. But it's and, not really part yeah. of, of what Jim Schwartz does. Yeah. It's, it was interesting, yeah. I thought, to see that happen yeah. again because that's how it was when they played the Falcons last year. If I remember right, there was only one true yeah. double team in that game. And I think so. Julio did have pretty good numbers in that game. Yeah, but he, he obviously the Eagles like won the game. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Wherever, wherever it was. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Jalen Mills, I thought, had a really good game. I mean, they was, tried the double move with Sanu. I think yep. it was in the third quarter. Stayed he on top of it. He didn't bite at yep. all. No, he stayed on top. You're right. The pass breakup he had early in the game where uh, they ran the Max Pro shot game, or shot play. We talked about those last oh, week. Oh, yeah, where, yeah. Uh, They're running a deep post from the opposite side of the field. He's defending the deep curl. And when he sees that, hey, that's a, this post is going to, this ball is going to the post over the top, I'm, a, I'm abandoning my assignment and I'm getting over the top right, and trying right. to defend this throw. Right. If he doesn't do that, that ball's complete. Maybe even a Probably. Touchdown, could be, it's an yeah. underthrown ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was and Julio makes ball. those catches. No question. Yeah. So it was a great play there uh, from Jalen Mills. Anybody else defensively? Is there anything else that kind of stood out to you in this game? Well, we talked about it watching the game. I, you know, I, I love when they do uh, when they bring Rodney McLeod down into the box. Yep, that's a high tendency blitz. Although that was a first down play, so that's a little bit of a a different animal. But he was down in the box. It was the first play of the fourth quarter, I believe, or end of the third quarter, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yep. but it was first and ten. And they brought him on the blitz, and we broke that play down as well in the All-22. And that was a sack, and a big sack, an eight- or nine-yard sack, which yeah. really was big at the time. And Devontae Freeman really busted that. He's got to yeah, abandon that he's, fake no and, question. and protect the edge there. Uh, all right, let's, let's get into now what I think a lot of people are excited to hear, and that's diving into this matchup now against the Minnesota Vikings because it's a very talented team coming to Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. Uh, from both sides of the football, a lot of talented players. Let's go, though, to the, the matchup. The Eagles' offense against the Minnesota defense, because I know you feel that that is probably the biggest challenge. Well, it's facing a challenge. Eagles Sunday. It's a challenge. Yeah. I mean, let's face it: the Eagles are not in a position now where they're probably going to be scoring thirty points. So now you have to go against a defense that has big time talent at all three levels, Fran. And I know you studied them hard this week. I've yes. looked at every game this year. Their D line, their linebacker position, and and the secondary. This is a very difficult group to play against. Uh, they're a very difficult team to run the ball against, and that's mm. going to be very interesting in this game. Yes. Because if the Eagles can't run the ball with, and again, they're not going to run thirty for one fifty. So we're not we're not talking about that, but we're talking about having some modicum of success, so that they're not constantly behind the sticks. Yep, that's big here. Yeah, because this is a defense. You get to third down on this defense, you do not convert. Yeah. They had the best third-down conversion rate defensively in almost 50 years. It's a ridiculous number. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 25%. That's silly. They've given up, including the playoff win against the Saints, only 53 third-down conversions all season long. Think about that for That's a minute. That's ridiculous. So you don't want to get stuck here on third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. So it's going to be really incumbent upon, I think, Doug Peterson and staff to figure out, and you might have to— see some package stuff. You know, I don't want to use the word gimmicks because it's not gimmicks anymore in the NFL. It's package stuff. Mm. You might have to see some of that because they're going to have to find ways to create yardage. So what do you mean by expand on that for our like the, the Like the Aguilar play yeah. from okay. last week. Gotcha. That, that's, that's a package play. Yep. That's a specific so package, game plan. Like that, yeah, that's something that you don't specific. normally see sure, that's it. not technically part of the concepts that they run. Yep. You know, but but it's 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 a package play. It has a misdirection element. It's meant to deceive. I think you might need to see some of those. I'm not talking about flea flickers or yeah. reverses. I'm just talking about plays that 
are different from formations that you normally see. Yeah, and the Saints ran some stuff like that right. on Sunday. You right, saw the shoot the on third and one. Uh, Willie Sneed threw, and that might have been a touchdown might to Kamara. Yeah, yeah. might have been. Uh, and they know it too, and yep. and they're a better offense than the Eagles, and yeah. they knew it too. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the game plan. is. I think you're going to see. You know, for lack of a better, I mean, you're going to see a lot of the same stuff you saw this past week, just in different ways. Different, you're going to yeah. see the screen game. Yeah. You're going to see some of the, like you mentioned, the it's Adelaide how they get run. to it. No question. Because th- there's some issues that they do face. They're going to have an issue with Vitae versus Everson Griffin if you get to second along and third Pivotal along. Pivotal matchup. And, and how they choose to deal with that, whether it's chips, whether they actually have to keep someone in. I think the. The Vikings, who are not a high-percentage blitz team by NFL standards, but they're very effective when they do blitz, I think you'll see them line up with pressure looks at times because I think they'll want to keep the, the Eagles back in the backfield on second along and third along because backs are very important in the Eagles' pass game. And if you can keep the back in the backfield as part of pass protection, then you win the numbers game before the ball's even snapped. Yeah, I think when you look at their I was that to me watching their defense, I was most surprised about the volume of blitzes because I remember watching them a year ago. I wrote a really long piece on their whole pressure package, you know, all the double A gap, the triple A gap. Which I haven't double. used as much this year. I was very surprised yeah. to see it. It wasn't as it's still there. It's they still, still there. use it, but it not to the to the level to the yeah. volume that you saw a year ago. Um, but you watch and you say like, "All right, the, the blitz volume is down." But when they do come, and the threat of them coming is of always there, and I went and looked at the numbers, I wasn't surprised at all to see that the opposing quarterback rating when they blitz was yeah. the lowest in the league. It's sixty three point five six. That's the lo- that's the best mark yeah. in the league this for is a defense. Tough de- I mean, you do not want it, it, you do not want to be in long yardage in this game. And I hate to be cliched, but this is one of those games where you know a punt, depending on the, the game situation, is not a bad thing. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is turn the ball over. Yeah, you can't give them short fields. No, you can't give them short fields. So if it's third and nine and Nick's back and it's just not there or he feels pressure, you know, get rid of the football. Don't yeah. start taking nine-yard sacks and don't throw it up for grabs. I mean, my sense is, and I could be wrong, but my sense is this will not be a high-scoring game. Yeah. And you cannot give away possessions. I would be surprised it, turnovers, if, I into, mean. if yeah. either team got into the high 20s, lower 30s. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, special teams, turnovers, who knows. But normal flow of the game, that won't happen. Let's talk about some of the personnel up front, too. I mean, you look at – we talked about Everson Griffin, who, to me, you know who he kind of is, too, because he's not like he's – a pass rusher that wins in a lot of different ways in terms of using his hands and has a number of moves in his back pocket. He's like Fletcher Cox at defensive end in that he just finds ways to win, and he wins with his first step, and he wins with his raw power He gets and off the ball. I mean, his the sack, get-off is so The sack good. he had of Breeze. Yes. I looked at that really closely, and I was, you know, I was going in slow with my remote. Yep. I mean, he got off the ball before anybody else. Yeah, his, his twitch yeah, is yeah, apparent there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danell Hunter, who's a first-year starter, who's a former third-round pick at LSU, has turned into a really nice player, and he's now the starter on the other side, opposite Griffin, a guy who can win in the same kind of ways. He's got that first step, but also has the ability to win with that long arm. Oh, he's long. He'll he'll give Lane Johnson some issues as well. No question. You mentioned the matchup. To me, the the matchup that is most pivotal – for the Eagles, I think, is Big V I agree. against Everson Griffin. That's Without question. Be, I mean, that's and how the Eagles deal with that, depending on the situation. Look, on, on first down or if they want to go quick game, if it's normal down and distance, it's not a factor at all because the ball will be out. Yep. But it gets into the long yardage situations. How do the Eagles want to handle that? And a guy I think that really 
kind of makes the rest of that defense go is Linval Joseph on the inside. <laughs> when it comes to the, especially to stopping the run. I mean, they're number two in the NFL, stopping the run right behind the Eagles, 83.4 yards Both their D-tackles, I think, Joseph and Tom Johnson, do an excellent job stalemating double teams, yep. even defeating double teams. It's tough to run the ball on this team. Where did Johnson come from? Because I remember seeing him last year and being yeah, like, oh, I don't who's know this wh- guy, Tom Johnson? I don't know where he went to start. college. I have no idea. Yeah. We do all this work all year round. I know. I, no I don't know where he went to college. <laughs> I was watching him last year. I remember when we were getting ready to play them. I was like, oh, this kid seems like a nice player. Yeah. And I look, and he's a starter now. Yeah. And I go and watch the film, and he's disrupting run passes really up and down the field. Yeah. Uh, it's turned into a really nice player. Shamar Stefan at nose tackle as well will come in and play. Um, they, they've got – and Brian Robeson is another player that he's – like he's like a Chris Long for them in that he can come off the bench. He can – be a defensive end. Yes. He plays a lot of D tackle in their nickel. Yep, and he'll stand up over the guard yeah. and he'll try and win yeah. in a lot of different ways. That's a. I mean, it's a tough assignment for the Eagles O line, who I thought played really well this past week against Atlanta. They're going to need a similar kind of effort this week against Minnesota. Linebacker level, you have Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, and, and they're a nickel. D. They don't take either one of those guys off the field. Yep, when they go base, Ben Gedeon, the, the rookie, and from you know Michigan what he's had when he's played, he's been fine. Yep, and I liked him coming out in that role, just yeah. for that. Sure, yeah, in that role. So then you, you talk about Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. What what can Eagles fans expect when they see those two guys? This well, they're Sunday? both really athletic. That's the thing. Great range. Um, Bar and they'll use both as blitzers at times. Yep. You know, Bar is is a guy they'll use more off the edge than Kendricks. That's how he was used at UCLA, right? And we because most of us thought he'd be a three four outside backer, which is what he's not. Yep. He's he's basically he's a he's a four three backer. Yep. And um, but uh, yeah, they're they're Kendricks is a really rangy type athlete. Uh, they both can blitz. They're both effective when when asked to do that. And it's just they're good. I mean, it's it 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 might be the best. I don't want to say the best. I, I always hate saying that, but it's as good as a nickel linebacking duo as there is in the league. Yeah, they faced a good one last week with Deion Jones. Yeah. Uh, certainly Carolina has one, yep. but but I mean, this is a really good good duo. I want to get to the safeties next because they're a part of that blitz package as well. Oh, for sure, and they could be without Sandejo, who's, who's in concussion loss. protocol. And, and, you know, I know people always talk about Harrison Smith, and deservedly so. But Andrew Sandejo is a really good player, and he allows them to really be almost interchangeable at the safety position in many ways. And if he can't go, they play Anthony Harris, number 41, who, Fran, is a good player. I just don't know if they can do quite as much with him because of this kind of player he is. But he's actually a good player. So do you think that if Sandejo's out, and Harris is in. And Harris, the one game I told you earlier that uh, when I was watching it, he he popped on film when he when he was in the game. Uh, but do you think if he is in there, do you think they play more a little a little bit more too high, or do you think that they'll stick with him in one high and just see how it goes to start? I think they would stay with one high because I don't think that they'll feel that the Eagles are really going to attack him vertically. Attack him vertically. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Harrison Smith, do-it-all player for them. Really good. Yeah, great blitzer, yeah. great run defender, can play in coverage, can play in man, can play in zone. He does, he does a I lot. I mean, he's them. normally the tight end matchup when they go cover one. Yep, and the Eagles will see cover one. Right. Yeah. For sure, the big, <laughs> yeah. man, big man coverage team. Yep. Uh, when they go zone, a lot of quarters. A lot of quarters. Basically, it's man anyway. But play quarters, quarters and cover three. Yep. But they play a lot of quarters. Yep. That's per- correct. Uh, Xavier Rhodes. He'll match up to Jeffrey, in my opinion. Say, you expect him to match yeah. up and shadow. And that's a, tough, that's a tough challenge for Jeffrey. 
So in that case, you'll see Trey Waynes on Torrey Smith, Nelson Aguilar, you would expect. Well, that'll be Mackenzie Alexander in the slot and and also Terrence Newman because what they do is Newman often plays in the slot when they're a nickel on first and second down, and then Alexander comes in on third down. Now, that's not 100%, but that's sort of the, the, the way it works. Is there a matchup there that you feel pretty good about if you're an Eagles fan? Good about no, I think they're tough. Which doesn't mean they're not going to make a play. Of course. But I don't think you look at any of those matchups and go, boy, the Eagles really have a big advantage there. Of the corner, it seems like Waynes is a guy that you can at least get after a little bit down the field. I, we both like to come to Michigan State <coughs> at, at times. At guy, times, he's a guy that you can kind of get. In terms and of and the Eagles, coverage. I'm sure, assuming you know wind is not a factor, and I think long range it's supposed to be actually pretty nice. Yeah. But if if wind's not a factor, will they take a shot to Tory Smith, a shot or two on Waynes? I think they will. I think probably have to at yeah. some point. Yeah. Obviously those are not high you know those are, are, are high risk throws, but I think they'll take shots. Anything else in terms of this matchup overall? I mean it's a you we talked about everything that's good about this group. It's uh, a tough as, group to play against. If you're the Eagles if you're the Eagles coaching staff you're looking into this game, what is the what is the kind Patience. of key there? Okay. You're gonna have some negative plays. Yeah. And you gotta live with them. And then you just got to keep sticking to plan. Ideally, your defense plays well enough so that the game is never out of hand. We talked watching the game against the Falcons. We never wanted it to be more than a one-score game. As long as that's the case, you can stay with the plan. You can live with a couple three-and-outs or you know, punting the football. It's, it's what happens if the game gets a little out of hand. If all of a sudden – I mean, look, they faced Drew Brees this past week, the, the Vikings. They went up 17 nothing, but it was Drew Brees. If the Eagles go down 17 nothing in this game – I'd be hard pressed to think they're going to come back. No, it'll be. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was sitting there Sunday night and saying at seventeen nothing halftime, I'm starting my thoughts on okay, right, Vikings. Right, you right. Know, I mean, it's, I well, that's because you knew Keenan would, would hit Diggs, you know, with no time on the clock for well, sixty-one yard touchdown. Yeah, I saw that coming. You saw that away. coming exactly. Right. Uh, well, let's get to that side <laughs> now because uh, you know Case Keenum, I think, has been one of the lightning rod players in the league this year. A lot of injuries around the NFL, but he's been one of the bright stars. And oh. He's played at a very high level. Uh, obviously, there are flaws in to, to his game over the course of his career. It's why he's been a, a, the kind of player that he's been. But he's been given the opportunity this year, and he's really kind of uh, made a name for himself. Yeah, I mean, he's not – I think people have to stop thinking about him as kind of a journeyman backup type. He's played really well. Yep. You have to watch – you have to go by the tape. The tape tells you. You know, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Um, no, it doesn't. I would say that – if you're looking for a flaw, every once in a while he's a little reckless and he'll throw some balls up that he shouldn't throw. Did the other night. Did the other night. And, uh, you know, sometimes he'll be complete, but he threw an interception. Um, and actually that was a very interesting play because they like to throw a lot of quick game hitch. And that was really interesting because the corner took it away and then he had no, nowhere to go. And it made me think, what are the Eagles going to do in their coverage? Are they going to maybe try to tighten the cushion a little bit? Because if they play with that cushion – and they give him those six-yard, seven-yard hitch throws, you know, that's, that's going to make it second and four, second and three, and, and you don't want to do that. Yeah. So I, it made me just think, okay, are they going to try to take away, you know, just with a little tighter cushion some of those quick throws? But getting back to Keenum, he's deceptively tough in the pocket. He will stand and deliver. He's done that numerous times this year, Fran, as you saw watching tape. Um, he's got... Uh, he has the ability to, to turn it loose. He's he's an aggressive thrower, but not a reckless thrower. So, and the second reaction ability, we've no talked question. about that a lot. 
He has second reaction ability, and he can avoid, he can reset, he can avoid, get out of the pocket, and then make throws, not only short throws, but throw it down the field. Yeah, I, that, to me, the, the, one of the things that has stood out to me watching him over the course of the last couple of days has been, one, his touch to different areas of the field. Oh, yeah. His toughness in the pocket, for sure. I mean, I there he made some throws Thanksgiving Day against the Lions where he had defenders bearing down. Oh yeah, he, he threw he the touchdown to Rudolph. Big time yeah, throw. Yeah, big time throw. He uh, actually did it early in the season against Pittsburgh when yes. he had a, a corner blitz by Joe Hayden. Yep. He's just there. I mean, yeah. just the, the, his ability to make throws like that, I think, was very impressive. Uh, and then you mentioned it, the pocket mobility, you know, and not just the run around and make a play, but the ability to stay in the pocket, eyes downfield, protect the football, and then deliver. I, yep. I thought it was big time. Um, so I was I was very impressed. I will say he was not the most impressive player on the Vikings offense for me. Well, it's probably no, Adam Thielen. I I am floored by Adam Thielen. You know, you see the yeah, highlights, yeah. and I watched him last year, and I thought, man, he's a good player. Well, apparently he's, the Saints were too, because Lattimore was the man-to-man matchup on I Thielen. Do, I don't blame them. because <laughs> And here's the thing is that, you know, I saw all the highlights like everybody did when that spread around on social media. So you right. see the, you know, some of those releases against press coverage, which are just filthy. And you see some of the routes ah. where he gets defenders turn around, and he, he's just so good mid-route. But the thing that I did, I never really saw, and I saw it today watching all the film on, the, on their offense. Or, you know, I watched seven, eight games. He is so good at tracking the ball yep. mid-route. You know, so if he, he's, he's flattening Which is why out he route. catches so many deep balls. Yeah. You know, and, and, and by the way, I, you know, I don't know which games you watched. I've seen every snap this season. He runs by people, too. He does. Now, some of it has to do with the fact that he knows how to run routes and how to set them he up. He plays fast. But he mm-hmm. runs by people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that to me, like, that's – he creates separation. There was the uh, the one play – I can't even remember which guy. I watched so many games. Ben and I – Ben Fennell and I were watching, and he created an instant five, six yards of separation off the first three or four steps. Right, right, right. <clears throat> you know, because of, he, because of his release off yeah. press. Um, but he, he'll flatten a route out across the middle of the field and – Case Keenum will overthrow him a little bit, and you see him just adjust. And it's, all, it's Deshaun Jackson. Like that's the yeah. only other player I can think of in the league right now that kind of adjusts to the ball as well as Thielen He's, does. Yeah, I remember Slot Fady ran. I forget who it was against, but he set it up so well. He, he's just a really good route runner. Yeah, great hands. You know, he's just a really good receiver. Yeah, I mean, he's. I you could say the argument. He's one of the best. He's one of the best receivers yeah. in the NFL, yeah. without question. I think. Uh, it was really, really impressed by him. He's going to be. He's that's a problem. He's a guy that you have to. And worry the Eagles about. don't match up, so it'll be Mills on the on the left and yep. Darby on the right. Yep. And uh, but it'll be interesting to see how much man the Eagles play because I think the Vikings have some really good man concepts, man beater concepts. They run that concept we you and I have talked about a lot. That sort of mesh sit wheel concept where the mesh, if you're playing man, can be a real problem. If you've been listening to this podcast for a few years. You remember we talked about that. We broke that play down numerous times when Chip Kelly was here. Yep. It, was a, it was a Chip Kelly favorite. They ran it in 2013, and then every team in the NFL was running it by the end of the year. And every team pretty and much now, runs it now. Now everyone yeah. runs it. So the, the Vikings run it as well as anybody. The one thing, looking at the numbers on this Vikings offense as well, is that they're incredibly efficient. You know, they're, they're a top-five offense on third down. They're a top-five offense in red zone. They're a top-five offense in, in uh, run-pass ratio, in possession time. I mean, they – they take care of the football. They don't really turn it over all that much. No. And they're just incredibly efficient, chipping away down the field it's, when they need to. Third down's a great matchup in this game. I think the Vikings are third and third sides. down offense, and the Eagles are third and third down defense. Yeah. So that's strength versus strength. It's a really important matchup in this game. The Eagles won that this week with yes. the Falcons. The Falcons were number one on third down coming into the right. week. And they, I think it was three of – was it three of nine? Three of eight? Something like that. It but the Eagles won that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. a huge part of the game Yep. Uh, without question. 
question. So, look, it's going to be interesting from the skill position standpoint. We didn't mention Stephon Diggs. Uh, who's a very who's good, good receiver. And Rudolph. Rudolph's a tough matchup. Rudolph made some great catches this year. Yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so you, there's matchups there. Figure Malcolm Jenkins against Rudolph. When they go man, for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, could be, fun. you know, depending when they go dime, it could be Graham at times. Yep, no question. Uh, on the offensive line, you know, you've got guys, they've, they've moved some pieces around. Remmers played left guard for the first time this year. Yeah, what did you think of his performance? Not bad. There? I yep. mean, I wasn't studying every play, sure. but, you know, I think their right tackle hill can be had. Yep. You know, again, but now you're getting into situational football he can be had in certain situations yeah you know if it's long yardage uh the run game is is very up and down they they do run the they ball try to run the ball no, they, they, they stay committed, they, they to, stay it. committed yep. to it I, look their defense is such that there's uh, maybe there was one game this year and i think might have been carolina that sort of got out of hand and they had to abandon the run but because they can stay in every game with their defense they stay committed to running the ball i don't think latavius murray to me He's a little upright. Uh, he's straight line. I don't think he has a lot of natural power, but every once in a while he breaks one, and he and then he can run. If you're the Eagles' defensive staff, you're looking at this Vikings offense. What are some keys for you going into this game? Uh, general keys, I think, when when Thielen is in the slot, I think that's something you have to be really okay. aware of. Interesting. I mean, I think Thielen is really good in the slot. What's your thought on trying to stop Case Keenum? In ter- like, do you do you blitz them? Do you not blitz them? Do you play more coverage? If you're going to blitz, do you focus more on edge pressure, interior pressure? I think that was one of the things I was most interested to see. His numbers against the blitz are pretty good. They're good. Yeah, they're pretty good. So he gets know. rid of the football yeah, now. That's the thing. <clears throat> I mean, I would think that you want to blitz him inside yep. uh, if you're going to blitz him just because his size, his height. Um, yeah, that would be if you're going to blitz, I would probably look at it that way. I tell you, the Eagles haven't done a lot of this this year, Fran, and we've talked about this, but – that old line, the Vikings old line, really struggled this week against the Saints when they stunted, mm. and the Eagles haven't done a ton of that. They haven't done as much stunting as because last because year, yeah. because of the way they line up. I mean, they line up in that you know that two three techniques, two wide nines. They don't do a lot of stunts, not a lot of inside stunts anyway. Right. Yep. So whereas the Saints lined up in specific fronts, three to one side of the center, which is a stunt front, and they caused some problems for this for the Vikings old line. And a year ago, we saw a lot of the zone exchange blitzes from the Eagles. Not as much. Yeah. They did some early in the year. We yep. haven't seen as much lately. No, this uh, especially, like you said, yeah. the second half of the year, yeah. not as much. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that gets unfolded or if they decide to play more coverage and rely on the yeah. four-man rush. It, it, it's going to be I'm, – I'm really excited for this game. I, I think the whole city is. I think the, the yeah. entire Eagles fan base is really it's, excited. It's, it's going to be a great atmosphere. I think it's going to be a pretty interesting game. It, it's not going. I don't think it's going to be high scoring, but I think this is going to be a really compelling, intriguing game. Yeah, I, for watching the watching the Vikings today, great team, but I think that the Eagles can definitely play with this team and beat this oh, team. But they can only beat them. I think a certain again, barring yes, other sports, they can only beat them a certain way. Yep. They're capable of it. But this is going to be a tough game. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's well, a great. challenge. No question. I appreciate the time, as always, here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll watch the game with you Sunday, and we will talk to you here next week. Thanks, Grant. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to two people, Missing Philly and Matt ESQ, who both rated the show and left comments saying how much 
much they love listening to the podcast. Some kind words there. So thanks to Missing Philly and Matt ESQ and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Okay, let's keep this show going. I told you we would break down a player that I think is going to stand out next week down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He will be the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so the player we're going to break down is Florida cornerback Duke Dawson. You remember last year there were a couple corners that came out from the Florida Gators that were really talented and that were highly regarded. Both were day two picks. I think this year you've got Duke Dawson who could be in that same discussion. Different kind of player, 5'11", 207 pounds, First team All-SEC this year. He was a player that has been making an impact there over the course of his career, just more in the slot and in sub-package. You know, he's a a one-and-a-half-year starter at left corner for Randy Shannon down there. Slid into the slot in nickel packages, and he's got experience at safety as well from earlier in his career. So similar to Jalen Watkins, another former Florida Gator, he's got experience on the outside, inside, and at safety. So you like that versatility there. Played mostly press coverage. He's a well-built defensive back with below average height but he's got some length to him good athlete with the quickness and change direction skills to hit pocket receivers and man-to-man coverage and he's got enough speed to turn and run with most receivers down the football field looks really comfortable at the line of scrimmage in press you know he's got the aggressiveness he's got the discipline to disrupt a receiver early in the down and then stay on top of him within the first few yards really instinctive kid who has a good feel for breaking on routes and reading things happening in front of him played a lot of underneath zone coverage and he does a nice job of getting his eyes on the quarterback, feeling routes develop around him, and find his way to the football. Down the field, he'll work to get his eyes on on the football and find it late, and I I like the fact that he's got some of those natural ball skills. He's a willing tackler. He will wrap up and get a receiver to the ground. I love the physical competitive edge he plays with on each and every snap. So those are the positives. You get into a negative standpoint, he can be a little bit too aggressive at times, especially with the two-hand jam at the line of scrimmage, and he'll lose at times off the football. That's something that happens when you play a lot of press. His lack of size can impact him sometimes at the catch point. Again, under six foot, so there will be some receivers that will just be a physical mismatch for him at times. Dropped some potential interceptions, left some plays on the field in contested and uncontested situations. But overall, I think this kid does have some ability to play on the outside, but I think he projects best to the inside, where his lack of elite top-end speed I think will get hidden a little bit because I think his speed is good, not great. I really like his play personality. He's got the physicality, the instincts, and the quickness in man coverage to play in the NFL in the slot. So that's that's kind of how I see Duke Dawson. Maybe not a star, but a guy who's a football player, and he's going to last in the NFL for a long time. So that's what I feel about that Florida corner. Keep an eye on him down there in Mobile next week. Great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And one more time, again, take a few seconds. Go rate the show on iTunes or on Stitcher. Leave us a comment, and don't be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I would love to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.